Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H dot com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and on the broadcast today, considering the tragic ongoing situation in Israel, I thought I would go back and look at an interview that I did with Dr. Randall Price discussing Israel in prophecy and also taking a look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, too, over the course of the next couple of days on The Plum Line. So I hope you can stay with me. And you can reach me anytime at this email address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Welcome to this edition of The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, I am very pleased to be joined by Dr. Randall Price, and he is the founder and president of World of the Bible Ministries. Also has a teaching background that I'll have him get into a bit, and an archaeological background, and we're going to kind of focus especially on the archaeological component, at least for the first half of the broadcast here. And Dr. Price, uh, welcome to The Plum Line. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Jay. Good to be with you today. Lots to discuss. I've entitled this, in essence, uh, Israel and Prophecy and the Dead Sea Scrolls as well from a biblical worldview. And so, Dr. Price, let's just begin here by sharing a little bit about your background and what you do now. Well, what I'm doing now is really an outgrowth of my whole experience in Israel. The World of the Bible Ministries is trying to bring the world of the Bible to the word of the church. But along with that, teaching in different areas. I have a Ph.D. in the area of uh, Jewish studies and archaeology. That led me to go back to the world of the Bible to try to discover things and to bring information to people who either can't go there or come along with us there. So tourism is a part of what we do. We made over 113 tours to Israel. and So to introduce people face-to-face with the things they read about in the Word of God, it's to make it become more real to them not just a story, but his story, and something that enables them to kind of put the pieces together rather than trying to be confused about the picture. I think, for me, teaching is a big part of that. I've taught at a number of universities, most recently at Liberty University for 15 years. I was Distinguished Research Professor of Biblical and Jewish Studies. Great. Well, let me follow up with a couple of thoughts on that or questions. One is that understanding or maybe experiencing Israel for yourself and, and really understanding the, the setting where the scriptures were written, how important is that to get that into the context of, of what we read when we read our Bibles? Well, first off, we have to realize that the Bible was written 
you know, up to 4,000 years ago. The process of formation of the Old Testament was a thousand years, much shorter, like 60 years from the New Testament. But all of that took place in a very different place than where we are, in a very different time, a very different culture, different languages. And the result is that we can feel a little bit apart from that when we read the scriptures. We try to often discard the stuff we don't understand, apply the stuff we do. It'd be so much better if we could put ourselves back into that world to understand what they were thinking and why. Their problems weren't any different than ours. It's just a different context. And that's what studies and ancient history and archaeology, just anything that brings you to the biblical world will help you do, especially travel to that world because things in many ways have not changed. They have a different perspective in the East than we do in the West. We all have a biblical worldview because we're tied to the Scripture, but a biblical worldview oftentimes is very different than our Western worldview, our present cultural worldview. And that causes people to have a lot of confusion sometimes, particularly about the Old Testament, because they see, at least in this woke culture, Values and ideals and other things are counterculture. They don't seem to fit with what they read in the Bible. And, that, you know, we should be going to the Bible, identifying ourselves with those people, understanding what God was doing and why, before we critique it and try to judge it in light of you know, a very different society in which we live. Right. And so is that kind of the reason that your love for Israel and its people developed out of this desire to understand the Bible in the true context that it was written in? Or Well, I'll tell you how that happened. I mean, I was a teenager at the time of the Six-Day War, and I realized that something was going on there. I watched it on television, black and white in those days. I realized that the Jewish people had something to do with the Bible. I wasn't very literate in those things, but I had a pastor right after that tell me that these things were things that were spoken about in Scripture, that the state of Israel uh, now existed, and Jerusalem was crucial to the whole picture, and that the things that the Bible talked about were unfolded before our eyes. It made me realize for the first time that the Bible contained prophecy, and prophecy was something that, you know, not everybody did. It was something that, you know, made you go back to God. And, and when I did that, I realized that I didn't know God, and I was estranged from Him. And I needed to know the truth, and the, and the truth was right there in the Bible. And I became a believer based really on what was in the Old Testament about Israel and how Israel was fulfilling much of that in the present day, or at least being prepared to fulfill it in the days to come. And I realized I wasn't ready for that. I needed to be on the right side of history and the right side of, of the future. So I put my trust in Jesus the Messiah, uh, who was proclaimed in the Scriptures, who actually was God, who came here as he had promised and revealed himself many times in the Old Testament in a pre-incarnate form, just uh, given his truth, and then became incarnate so that we might uh, know him in a way we never had known him before. And he would know us, he would be like us, and he would suffer like us, and he would suffer for us, and he would be our Savior and substitute. And all of that you know, brought me to a realization I needed to know more about Israel and the Bible. And that led me to studies and graduate studies. And eventually, in my graduate studies, I said, I'm going to talk about a place the rest of my life I've never seen. And my wife and I just decided after I finished at Dallas Theological Seminary to pick up and move to Israel to really, I guess, as it were, see this for ourselves. 
uh, living there. Our second daughter was born there. I went to Hebrew University there. All of that just changed my perspective. I said, other people need to know how much this affects your spiritual life. To not just think of the Bible as a storybook, anything, put it in our own imagination, but to see how it really happened. To realize that the people of the past are still the people here in the present. God's Word hasn't changed. His promises are still true. And if I am here and I see this and I understand this, then I can take that and export it to the 21st century where I live and apply it correctly. And so those are the kind of things I've been trying to do as I've developed a ministry and teaching throughout the years. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to speak directly to you, the listener, and those in the listening family for a moment here, because incorporated in Dr. Price's answer there was his testimony, in brief anyway, but uh, I noticed that it included the most important elements there about putting your faith in Jesus Christ and understanding that he is the Messiah. And so we don't know who's all tuned in out there. Those of you in the listening family, let me say uh, thanks for tuning in first off, and if you maybe heard those words from Dr. Dr. Price, and hadn't heard it quite uh, explained in that manner, I'm going to share my email address because that, in essence, was an encapsulated version of the gospel there, and I would love to have somebody reach out to me and say, you know, I don't think I've ever done that, just like uh, Dr. Price said. You know, he realized as he learned a little bit more about Israel and its significance, that kind of helped to lead him to a realization that he wasn't right with God. He didn't have a relationship with God. If that realization is taking place in your life at this moment, do reach out to me via email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com, and I will make the time and effort to get together with you one way or another, and we'll get the most important thing done in your life that you can possibly do, that decision about what you're going to do about Jesus. Theplumlineradio at gmail.com is the address. Plum is P-L-U-M-B. Don't forget the B at the end of it. The Plumline Radio at gmail.com. Well, I wanted to ask you then, Dr. Price, so it's pretty cool to me how that uh, developed in your life. It's a little bit unusual way, I guess, of coming to faith in Christ as a result, really, of Israel and your interest that developed there. And God has now blossomed that quite a bit into all of these trips and things. So as you look back on that, uh, you see that God was really using the whole history of the Bible, and that's kind of how the world of the Bible developed, to bring you to faith in Him. That's got to be pretty cool when you realize that. Yes, I mean, for me, I knew the Bible existed. I don't think I had ever read it. And it needed some kind of stimulus to get me to open it up and realize that it was not just an old book, but real, present truth. And that's what happened with the events that were happening around the the Six-Day War. It was, you know, by all accounts, a miraculous victory for Israelis, territory they gained, the armies they opposed, and were successful in defeating and that they've retained their security and their presence and, and grown in strength and, and innovations throughout the world over the last 70-something years. You know, you have to look at that and say, God is doing something because uh, people that came really out of nowhere that had been constantly oppressed and constantly persecuted and even at one point in history, They try to eliminate the entire race, Uh, and yet here it is, really one of the power brokers in the world, if you think about it, small by comparison, but everyone looks to Israel and is concerned about its politics and what it does, and the Bible has a great future for Israel. In fact, says that's the place God chose to bring his return to earth and to bring about his plan for earth. It will all be accomplished 
in that tiny place. And then all the world will come ultimately to Jerusalem, that tiny city, uh, to learn God's ways. You know, when you begin to look at that and stay through it, you have to say, this just can't be something that is usual. This is a, certainly a move of God in history, preserving his people for this, this purpose, and his hand is on a place, it's being revived. Something's about to happen, and you, you can't ignore it. And, of course, the answer to what's happening is all found in the pages of Scripture. Yes, amen. And we see some pretty significant growth I mean, in recent years, anyway, from what I understand, in Jews coming to faith in the true Messiah, recognizing Jesus as Messiah, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have a great number of friends who are Messianic pastors. I use the term Messianic. They don't. They just call themselves pastors. In Israel, they don't make always that distinction because there are people who claim to be Messianic that are Orthodox Jews, but there are literally hundreds of congregations in Israel. The last count, I don't remember, maybe 20,000 or more believers. It's a small number. It's true, but a lot are unreported, but that's just among Israelis. There's also Arab believers, and you know, a great number of things are happening. Uh, there are new congregations being planted all the time. And, of course, around the world, we have Jewish people who have come to faith in their Messiah because they have looked at Judaism, realized that when we come to the Scriptures, we share that common source, but we don't uh, share the viewpoint of rabbinic Judaism, which has adapted that text and then many times taken it in a direction it never was intended to be taken, so that it becomes a religion and not a relationship, as the Bible gave itself. God said, these are my people. You need to know me from the least to the greatest. And the promise of the new covenant was that all would know him. We've forgotten that idea. We know about God, but we don't know him. And that's what Messianic Jews in particular, those who are believers in Jesus as the Messiah, have come to do. Mm, yeah, amen. Dr. Randall Price is my guest, and again, he's the founder and president of World of the Bible Ministries, and I'd encourage you to check out the site, worldofthebible.com. I actually have it open right now. I'm looking at a couple of different columns that we're going to discuss, Lord willing, in this broadcast, too, at worldofthebible.com. You can go there and find lots of great columns, articles, resources, and assistance that will help you grow in your faith and in your understanding of this important subject that we're talking about, Israel and prophecy. We'll also be looking at the Dead Sea Scrolls and, of course, from a biblical worldview on the plumb line. You can reach out to me again via that email address that I gave a bit ago, the radio at gmail.com. And if you've missed uh, the first segment here and just are tuning in, or if you've missed any past editions of the plumb line, you can go places where you find podcasts like Spotify, for example, and put in the plumb line with Jay Rudolph, and it'll come up there. Then you can hear the past editions at that site if you miss it when it airs on the radio. Well, stick around here, Dr. Randall Price. My guest will be back with me in just a bit. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. 
You're tuned in to The Plumb Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast today, my guest is Dr. Randall Price, and he is the founder and president of World of the Bible Ministries and archaeologist as well. And that brings us to our discussion for this second segment of The Plumb Line today, as we're going to talk a little bit about archaeology and specifically the Dead Sea Scrolls, which last year was the 75th anniversary of the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I imagine of the discovery of some of them, because they were discovered a little bit over time, right, Dr. Price? Yes, they were. I mean, the primary focus of the discovery was in the 1940s and 50s, but uh, new discoveries have been made progressively, and especially in recent times. Mm, Yes, indeed. For those listeners who don't have familiarity with Dead Sea Scrolls and their significance, go ahead and tell us about that. What was found, and what's the significance? Well, in the late 1940s, the Dead Scrolls first came to light when caves were discovered in the Judean Desert near the Dead Sea. What came out of one cave in particular were a number of documents, primarily biblical documents, but also some that were uh, not biblical. They were sectarian, that is, they were written by a Jewish sect that we didn't know about until these discoveries were made. What was remarkable was that for the last 2,000 years, in the pages of the New Testament, we've read about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, maybe some other parties loosely in there, but just didn't know because the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't leave us any writings of their own. You only learn about some cultural aspects and religious aspects later in time through something like the Jewish Mishnah and Talmud. 200 to 600 years later, and all of a sudden the Dead Sea Scrolls are found, and they begin to be progressively found in these caves, first by Bedouin, who are nomadic uh, shepherds in the area, and then archaeologists falling on their heels. And as they're found, all of a sudden we know now there's another group, a Jewish group that have pulled apart from the main focus in Jerusalem around the temple, and it separated itself out in the desert. Uh, actually taking the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And they tended to be very messianic in the sense that their perspective was prophetic. They believed they were living on the end of the period of Jewish history, which would welcome a great apocalyptic war, and with it, the coming of the Messiah and the restoration of national Israel. And so their writings tend to reflect this, the commentaries on Scripture, which are part of the Dead Sea Scrolls. But for most people, they're only aware of the biblical findings, and almost every book of the Old Testament was found among the Dead Sea Scrolls. They, therefore, are our oldest copies of Scripture. They go back a hundred years and more before the birth of Jesus, and they cover a very crucial period of time where very little information was known. It's a very pivotal time because it's from right at the time when the Romans come and take control of the nation of Israel and in the Second Temple period, it takes us through the birth of Jesus, the formation of the church. All of these uh, crucial events are in the background of this. The language of the Dead Sea Scrolls mirrors that in many ways, the vocabulary you find in the New Testament and nowhere else, which means we can now put the New Testament clearly in a Jewish context and in a time period at the end of the Second Temple period, just as the text itself tells us. And we know more about the cultural, religious, and other aspects of Judaism. We did not know because rabbinic Judaism, of course, comes at a much later period, at least what they have reported to us. 
it's transformed a bit by the lack of there being a temple and a priesthood, all of these things. So the Dead Sea Scrolls opened up a whole new area of understanding, not only for the Old Testament, which their documents consist of, but also from the New Testament because of the time in which they were written. And I think, probably put it most clearly in perspective, the oldest copy of the Old Testament we had before the Dead Sea Scrolls was around 1000 AD. And our Old Testaments in English are translated from that Hebrew text. But now we have a Hebrew text, very much like the one used by Jesus himself, moves us back over a thousand years before that period. And in this kind of murky period, we have no idea what text we used to put together, what we call the Masoretic text, or the text from which our English Bibles are translated. Now we can see that. We can see how, going back that far, uh, what the text was. And, and surprising to many people, it's really unchanged. It's, it's a very stable text. There are some little variants and things, but for the most part, what they had then is what we have now. So we know we have a trustworthy text. Yeah, and just hearing you talk about that, we should be able to feel and sense the excitement over that and the realization that true believers don't doubt the authenticity and reliability of the Scriptures. This just further serves to confirm that authenticity and reliability, right? Yes, it does. Look, history is what we know, what we can find. I mean, it's based on a larger archaeology to uncover some of the ancient history. We have ancient documents from the past that can tell us all that history, but the Bible didn't exist in a vacuum. It's part of that history. And today, unfortunately, we have people who question that history and historicity. Did it really happen? Well, if it didn't really happen, we're only left with a story. And that story is only as good as anybody else's story. You may get inspiration from it. It may move you to some experiential feeling, but it cannot be considered truth, authoritative truth, something you can build your life on. It's something you could die for with the confidence that having died, you would be receiving the promise that it made. That's a big difference. So one thing the Dead Sea Scrolls did was take us back into the real world where Jesus and the disciples lived, where Jews still worshiping at the temple still were also engaged with looking for the coming of Messiah. They had read their own Old Testaments, uh, their Hebrew Bible, and saw that it predicted and promised a coming deliverer. And they realized the times in which they lived were oppressive times. God had to intervene. And so that's what they were looking for. And God did fulfill exactly what he said. He brought the Messiah on schedule at the end of the Second Temple period. So these are the type of things that when you put them together, it gives us great confidence to say this book is a powerful book. It's a book that no human being could have put together. It is simply evidence of God and his desire to communicate with us and help us to know his will. So I just wanted to quickly bring up maybe your chief archaeological find. There have probably been so many good ones, that might be a tough question, but was it primarily during your time at Hebrew University that you did a lot of archaeological digs and stuff? Well, actually not. It was after that. I, for 25 years, have worked at Qumran, which is the site of the Dead Sea Scrolls. From 2002 to 2012, I was director of excavations on the Qumran Plateau and did a lot of excavations, and none of that is really published yet. We're still working on it. Made some really crucial discoveries. But during that period, too, you used some satellite technology, and we're looking for caves that have never yet revealed their contents. Found one in, in 2017 
I was part of the group to excavate that. I was a co-director of that excavation, along with Oren Whitfield. And we found the first Dead Sea Scroll cave in the last 60-something years. From it, we found seven scroll jars, wrappings, all kinds of things, a little piece of scroll. We didn't find scrolls because I believe that when the Romans attacked the Qumran community in 68 AD, that they fled in the direction where our cave was, and they retrieved their documents and then went on down to Masada, where ultimately they perished with the rest of those who were holding out against the Romans. But we confirmed that there are more Dead Sea Scroll caves where scrolls were hidden. And then the next year, we opened up another part of the cave and found more things, not scrolls per se, but we found wonderful items that revealed that these people were the same people, in my opinion, that were at the Qumran Plateau, so that the people who hid the scrolls are the ones who lived in that community, and, and that formed the background for our understanding the Dead Sea Scrolls, who the people were and where they came from. Mm, that is incredibly exciting to hear about, I'm sure, especially for those participating. I know you take a lot of trips to Israel, as you mentioned. Do you ever take any where they are like an archaeological dig-type trip? Well, they're actually different. We take tours to see the land, and then we do archaeological excavations. And during that time, we have volunteers who come. We've been doing that for many years. Going to our website, worldofthebible.com, allows people to kind of see what we're up to. My thanks to Dr. Randall Price, the founder and president of World of the Bible Ministries. As we discuss Israel and prophecy in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and we'll continue our discussion on part two of the broadcast tomorrow. So I hope you can be with me then for the next edition of The Plumb Line. Again, you can reach me anytime at this email address, theplumblineradio at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and we'll see you next time on The Plumb Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com.